welcome to Foxhole Woebegone. I'm your host, Jeffrey Garrison Keeler. We got news from Foxhole Woebegone, and here joining us tonight is Dave Kleinschmidt. Hello, everybody. Yeah, you do. You, Boy, uh, I just I, flew I, in I, from New York. Yeah. Oh, how did that go? Boy, are my arms tired. Yeah, do you miss Garrison Keeler? No. Hi, everybody. Hey, this is Jeff and Dave, and this is the Two Half Squads, the one and only podcast dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world. Advanced Squad Leader. We're here, we're talking, and you may now begin the listening process. Yeah, I never really did Garrison Keeler. No, I never did much. either, but uh, I miss him. You did know, he I'm, pass away? No, but he did his final show. Okay. Uh, just the other night, after 40 years. Well, somebody was listening. Yeah. And I'm sorry I didn't. But, you know, I did dip into it here and there, and I would always think, oh, I don't really get How it. How sorry you know, are you, really? Not, you know, I just feel like it's a piece of Americana that is now gone. And he, it's a piece of Americana that was keeping other pieces of Americana up and running. You know, the final, it was the final of the good old radio shows and variety shows. You just don't well, get anymore. that, you know, yeah, in that regard. I was wondering what Americana you were referring to, the fact that his show was about a down-homey kind of place. Yeah. You know, it kind of was a reflection of a, a portion of America that's disappearing and all of the things that go along with it, all the little, the gossip and the little news and the, the music and the radio. People sitting around listening to the radio instead of watching TV and texting on their phones and doing all those other things we do now. Yeah, even the lake itself. I mean, when was the last time you were at a lake? It's been a long time. Yeah, I, I, live, I haven't been to a lake in... We live probably 15 miles from Lake Michigan, one yeah. of the largest bodies of fresh water in the world. If I want to see the lake, I'll pull it up on my computer. Yeah, that's right. And if I want fresh water, I'll just go turn on the tap. Not much need for a lake. Not really. I think we're in a good position if there should ever be a war for fresh water, which there is discussion about. True. Because we're close. We could run a hose that far <laughs> and just be pumping it. Well, I think we're a little too far away to well, do that. Yeah. But anyway, I miss Garrison Keeler. I hope he uh, enjoys his retirement. And I, I actually plan to start listening to Prairie Home Companion as time allows because they have the last 15 years of them on NPR. It's going to take you a long time it is. to get through them. Yeah, because they're two hours each. That's a lot. Now, a lot while stuff. I've been painting painting houses this summer or doing various yard work or riding my bicycle... How do you find the time, Dave? Because I don't teach in the summer. Ah. Mm-hmm. I listen to a whole lot of podcasts. Yeah. Anything good? Anything? I had up, accidentally uploaded. You know, sometimes they mess it up at iTunes, and it automatically uploads the whole sh- whole big pile of them. Oh yeah. So like that happened with Planet Money, and I, had to, I went through and deleted them all because you know those I remembered. Wanna it did it with um, the new one, Snap Judgment. Well, new to me. So mm-hmm. I've been enjoying most of those. And I was actually listening to like two or three a day, even. And they're almost hour long. I don't know that one. What's yeah. that about? Snap Judgment. Um, That's kind of what I do. Story. It's kind of like um, This American Life to music or to uh, the beat. I think he calls it storytelling with a beat. Oh, okay. Um, All right. And I do, it's it's well done. I like the way it's put together. You know. Yeah. Stories are usually good. Sometimes you know, hit or miss, but. Some amazing ones. They told one of a of a basketball player. He was a second rank guy. Maybe he played around America for not for pro team, but close to that. And he would play for foreign countries. And he got uh, hired for Libya. He ended up on Muammar Gaddafi's team. He was like a big hero, hmm. you know. And the team was like physically abused when they were oh, losing. Yeah, I kind of remember that. <laughs> Yeah, they kind Did of I would tell you fear. About that one? They would fear for their. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I just remember the story a little bit. Yeah, yeah, because that was good evidence yeah. of a reason to overthrow him. Yeah, he's um, mean, to the, mean to the mean to the soccer team. <laughs> yeah, and to his basketball team, and so this guy was like popular hero, and he had heard Muammar Gaddafi 
he was, you know, he used to live in Africa, actually, and heard good things, that he did good things for African people. Came to America, was a teen, was into basketball, into college, playing, didn't pay attention to the news. So he didn't really know Gaddafi had this bad side. And then the revolution, like, started. <laughs> and the team members, like, went and joined the revolution. You know, the whole... His, he was at one point hiding out in a house. They were trying to smuggle him out of, you know... Where is that? Libya? Libya, yeah. yeah. Not Syria. That's the current one. So, but anyway, that was a fascinating story. Yeah. Do you ever uh, get the urge to go on and tell a story? Because you can do that. Or maybe that's the moth. What show is oh, it? Oh, that's the moth, the moth. Those stories, yeah. yeah. I, I kinda, think it's the moth. Yeah, they swear a lot, so I, I listen less to that. Ah, <laughs> bastards! Stop it! <laughs> this is a family show. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can understand that. So, well, you can tell your stories um, here. You're going to get a massage, you said. Uh, I'm thinking about getting a massage. Y- yes, I'm going this week. Actually, yes, this week because my my neck is really stiff. I've been working a lot. I can tell. I'm not doing any yoga. I was wondering why you kept turning your whole body when you're looking left and right. Well, right now I'm wearing headphones, so. Oh. But, yeah. Am I doing that? No. Oh. No. Because <laughs> I do that sometimes. Robin will say, my wife will say, look over there, and I like, turn my whole body because my neck is stiff. So, yeah, I think I'll probably go get a massage. Did I talk on the air about the um, Chinese massage over there that I had where the girl climbed on my back? What? No. We didn't talk you didn't, about t- that you didn't tell air? me about that either. Oh yeah, use spa on Palatine Road. Yeah, use like yeah. use guys. Use guys, get over there to that <laughs> spa right rest? now. Now, luckily, I was pre-warned because I read some reviews online, and Laura went with me, and she had a guy doing her. I had the woman doing me massaging. That is, yeah. and um, yeah, sure enough, she climbs onto your back. And, and rubs with the knees into Climb the, on. Did she need a stool or a ladder or what? Uh, How high up were well, you? Well, you know, she was dainty. Dainty yeah. enough to not hurt me. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she would just lean in and say, it's okay? I said, yeah. It's okay? And she moved up because I guess some people don't like this. But um, it, it was a really good deal. I think you're supposed to tip more than I did. I should I should tip better or go back. And t- I, I mean, I, I gave him like 20, but I, I don't know. Is that okay, or is that cheap? Or I mean, did it? It uh, was a thirty-dollar massage for like almost an hour. Wow. Yeah, I think it's designed where they don't get paid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would say that's unless probably you tip it. them. Well, it would have said that on the website, probably. Well, that you were it did say at, as I was after I gave the tip. I think I saw the sign saying, um, "You won cheap, Joe." Did you she say actually, that as you're going out? <laughs> no, but it was kind of like the sign was due to our low prices. We hope. You will tip well, or basically like that. Yeah. So, hmm. but anyway, literally on my back, price. and Laura had yeah. no idea this was going on right next to her. The guy didn't climb on Laura's back. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. No, unless he was very petite. Be some, no. Yeah. So she wouldn't let you go alone. Is that it? Oh, uh, this was our you know couple date thing. Yeah. You know, people have said that. People have said that to me. Not people, but my wife. She said, "Let's go get a couple's massage." And I don't know. You're kind of you're laying quiet, there. Your eyes are closed. Yeah. It's not rolling around. I don't want to be talking. What are you going to talk about? <laughs> hey, did you look at the uh, our budget for next month? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got the checkbook on it. No, I don't want to do that. I, I guess that I, doesn't sound that good to I me. I could have had my eyes closed. Is the guy climbing on your back, Laura? Yeah. <laughs> Over there? Yeah. I don't know. Not going to do that. I'm just going to go get the shoulders and the. The head and the shoulders and the feet for thirty bucks for an hour. Yeah. Then they don't climb on your back, and you wear your clothes. You stay completely oh, yeah. clothed. Well, Which I, I like to not wear my clothes. <laughs> Sorry. I like to not wear my clothes. No, I heard you. I just wanted you to know. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> well, we're not you wearing do. You pants like that. now. Yeah. No, we're but not. At least we have our underwear. Yeah. On. At least. I don't really like that. I don't like as as you remember from my Korean spot. I'm so sure I'm I a told little, about I'm a the being on the back then on that no, day. No, I don't think spa. so. No. Oh, I think it was inspired. No, you're right because I went after you did the Korean because oh, I looked okay. that up. Okay. And I thought the clothing thing would. There's no way Laura would go there. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. So you inspired us, Jeff, to go. Oh, I'm so glad. 
Are you, you know, I just wanted to mention a couple of things here. I don't mm -hmm. know why, but um, I read an article about Flag of Our Fathers, the author of Flag of Our Fathers. Mm -hmm. can't remember his name. Bradley. Is his I don't last know name. either, but I did read the book. Yeah. And I did too. And then they made that movie out of it. Mm -hmm. Clint Eastwood made the movie. And it was recently revealed that this man's father, Bradley, was actually not in the picture of the flag raising on Iwo Jima. Just recently. I lost track of which one that was. but Which one what? Was he the one the mom recognized him from the rear end and they thought he wasn't for a long time and then they found out he was? They found out he wasn't. They did a lot of extra research <clears throat> and just recently revealed that this guy Bradley wasn't. But the, I think the mother came out and said it, it was my son. I'm sorry, I don't With remember With the other name. name, yeah. Yeah, Smith. Yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. So apparently, the the way it worked, the way it went is Bradley's father, Bradley, was at the first flag raising. You know, there were two flag yes, raisings. Yes, indeed. There right. was the first flag raising, Which and then there they, was one they redid for a picture. For the, yeah, for the for, for the photo. With a larger flag, I think. Yeah, larger flag, and I don't know if they, I don't know, is it posed? Do you think it was posed? No, no. I mean, do you think do you no. find the whole thing controversial? No, no, I do not. You think it's just uh, just a good photo and just, yeah. doesn't matter? Hey, put that up again. Let's get a picture of that and going up. Doesn't matter who who raised it and who didn't and who was in it. Does it really? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm, they're all I'm, heroes. I'm curious just from a historical perspective. No. And you being I, I think a it's very professional unique. historian. I think that's a unique, because think of all the iconic photographs of the war. Yeah, uh, they did find out who the girl being kissed in Times Square was, right? Oh, did and that they? guy? Yeah, they did a whole thing on that. Mm. But the fact that we can't come up with these guys' names—I mean, the fact that the kid wrote the book—it uh, was the fact they brought him back as heroes to do a tour, right? A talking right. tour. Yeah, That's what made the names and their identities more important than any other iconic photo. Yeah. But maybe he shouldn't have been brought back because he wasn't in the photo. But they didn't know it at the time, or he knew it. Did he? Well, I don't. I I would think. I mean, He'd probably look at it and go, "I didn't raise that big flag." Yeah, I don't know. He did raise one of them. Yeah, I don't know. I do wonder about that that part of history, because history can change as we find out more stuff. Well, things can yes. change, and we have a different outlook. And what does that do then to the movie? The movie that Clint Eastwood made, made now is inaccurate. It's inaccurate. Yeah. Then is he gonna? To go back and no. do a George Lucas where it digi digitally <laughs> put in change the everything and put in. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was uh, an interesting story. You just never know. Did you have another note there? Um, just that I was, you know, I I decided this summer. I thought I'm going to go do some stuff because I like summer. I like to be out and about, and I thought I'm going to make a little effort to get down to the Pritzker Military Library. Oh, yeah, which we've never been to. You know, I, I no longer have that podcast coming in. I should re-subscribe to that. Yeah. well, They had a bunch of good ones we've I've talked on the air before. They did, yeah. <clears throat> so I went on their website, and I thought, I'm going to go down and go to one of their talks. I did go to one of their talks one time. But I want to do it again, and maybe you would go, or Mike, or yeah. something. But um, they don't do it over the summer. Oh. Yeah. So they, they show a movie. Once a month, they show a movie. Oh, speaking of movies, yeah, Planet of the Apes is being re-released for two days. <laughs> the original, yeah, at the on theater the big screen, yeah, twenty third and twenty fourth. All five of them, right? No, oh, just the first one, original. Yeah, really? Yeah. So I'm going. We're 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 playing Dungeons and Dragons on the twenty third. You want to go during the day on the twenty oh. third? Well, maybe the twenty. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then review it on Spine and Sprocket. Okay, I actually already started taking notes on it because I. Made my son and wife watch it on Father's Day. Should we read the book as <laughs> so well? we watched half. Yeah, Monkey Planet. No. It's the, called Monkey Planet. Well, it's Planet of the Apes. Pierre, Pierre It's called Monkey Planet? Originally. In the original French? Yes. Monkey Planet. <laughs> That's very good. Mm -hmm. It's French. Huh. Okay. Well, uh, we'll put that on our list. So, okay, we do have something to look forward to. Because nothing <laughs> says summer like first. sitting in a dark theater. <laughs> well, if it's a really hot day, you might yeah. want that air conditioning. Yeah. Well, why don't we get on to a little uh, oh, Jeff. advanced Jeff. squad leader? Are you ready to go to Mayhem in Manila? I sure am, Dave. I've got my bags packed. I've got my 
passport and my hat. Do you have your OBA cards? No, I don't. How would I get some? Why, you'd have to go to Ritterkrieg and order some. Ritterkrieg? I don't know anything about it. Tell me. Well, this is the great online store of ASL equipment. ASL wooden gaming products like dice towers, custom-made tabletops, an ammo box map and map case, and all kinds of ASL products. You can order yours today and have it shipped to Mayhem in Manila. I wow. I'm going to get all that stuff. I know what I'll do. I'll tell my wife I can't afford to take her, but I'll take all my Ritter stuff with me. But Jeff, you might be able to take her because a donor has donated our air flight <laughs> to Asia. Sweet. All right, then this is the best thing that could happen. I can take my wife, I can take all my Ritter Krieg equipment, and we're going to Mayhem, Mayhem in, in Manila. Manila. And these OBA cards aren't the crappy kind that we sold on our podcast. No. These are those really cool quality ASL OBA cards. It's a gigantic deck of cards that it, you can use for all of your OBA requirements. All of your OBA requirements. And you know what makes ordering from Ritterkrieg the best option for any pre-orders? Tell me. They have free shipping. <gasps> Impossible. Take that, MMP. Well, that's a beautiful thing. So, how do we get to... Uh, order this Ritter Krieg stuff. Well, you simply go to Ritterkrieg.com, R-I-T-T-E-R-K-R-I-E-G.com. I'm heading there right now. See you in Manila, Dave. See you in Manila. What have you been playing lately? What have you been playing lately? Well, Jeff, that music means it's time for What Have You Been Playing Lately? I thought so. And uh, what have I been playing? I haven't I been know. playing a lot lately, you know, I will you, admit. I know you played that one. I'm feeling a little bad about it, you know, doing an ASL podcast and not playing that much ASL recently. What have you been playing instead? I haven't really been playing anything. I've been I working. I've been working. I've been working, and then I'm just too tired to, to do you anything. You have done a little role-playing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mean Dungeons & Dragons. Yes. Not that other kind of role-playing. No. Yeah. <laughs> I have one here, Punitive Expedition. This one was, uh, again, from the Russian pack, you may recall. Oh, Russian yes. Revolution. Yeah. Le Franc Tireur, FT-128, Punitive Expedition. And this one set up a situation where the um, uh, Japanese guys were on a train. There were some military dudes there, these red Russian, and there's two groups here. Uh, I'm forgetting one is the Reds. My Japanese and take the morning train. I think the bullshit. Are you just making that song up? No, that's My Baby Takes the Morning Train oh. by... What was her name? Dunna, dun, 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 dun. That's not that's take the A train, oh, isn't it? That's the wrong one. Bolshevik and red partisans combined. Did a little raid on a train and then like the Japanese army got off and uh, went attacking into them. Oh, here's a little background. Unbeknownst to the Japanese when they attacked, well the Bolshevik partisans had started to make their presence known. They derailed the train. Some of those on board happened to be Japanese military and civilians. Captain Suzuki was given the task to route out the communists and teach them a lesson. So it's punitive expedition. Um, and they, so I played the Japanese. Dave Timonen played the Reds or Russian Bolsheviks. We, we were, um, he thought he was coming to play on Hakapale, but. I switched it up on him. I only got like two of these left to play. I'd really like to finish them off. And uh, there's some, some three cavalry squads, so you can use these to kind of move around and back. And I had one with the Japanese to win. The Japanese had to get 22 victory points without losing 13. And that was controlling some trenches some buildings for points, 
And um, if they were rubbled or ablaze, they were worth double the buildings. Oh. So that gave you a good reason to go. Double rubble. Kindling. Kindling along. They had one DC, the Japanese. I couldn't get a building to burn to save my life. Oh, no. Never works when you're <laughs> when you're trying to. I think it's really harder than you think. It is harder. To kindle. Yeah. It always it seems like a good idea. I remember from very early on, I thought, oh, yeah, I'll just burn stuff as I go. But it's really difficult. Yeah, the Reds can exit also personnel off a of board edge, their bo- friendly board edge, and subtract those victory points from the Japanese total. So the Japanese are trying to kind of catch them, hold them in there. We thought perhaps there, it didn't specify that you couldn't start leaving the board until a certain turn. So mm. in effect, unless we read this wrong, the partisans could just all walk off the board on turn one and they would win every game. So Dave figured out that probably not the intent. I think probably. they're just missing a little thing saying like they can't start to leave until a certain turn. Now it does say on turn five, the Reds may exit off and subtract their victory points. But if the... I think we, we were figuring out, you know, if they all just left before that, they wouldn't be subtracting their victory points, but they the Japanese would have real problems getting points. They would have to capture all the buildings. And anyway, it was one of those things where we thought there should be a rule saying they all just can't leave on turn one or two. Did you check Because I think the 22 point. Oh, here was our problem. Um, actually, no, but the problem was one of these buildings, it says building C1 equals two LVP, level victory points. Okay. But there, um, we thought that one should count as four because it was a two-story. We think they intended it to say four points. Then they can get their 22 points. Wow, you did points. a lot of uh, It's a lot of little math here. <laughs> well, anyway, but it was a lot of fun. Japanese Bolsheviks, this is 1920. You must be getting okay. toward the end of that pack. As, as I just said, I think there's two left. Oh. And there were 24 in there. Sorry, I fell That's asleep during that. You did. I guess. But yeah, that you, is a lot. What have you and I been playing lately? You and I played a wonderful scenario from the uh, St. Louis ASL group pack called China, Burma, India, the Lost Theater. That's what I like to call it. Mm-hmm. The theater. We played... The second scenario that, if you put it with the first and third scenario, creates the campaign game. Did we? Is the first? Do you have the first one? Uh, we did. I have the first one also. Oh, okay. But go ahead and you talk about the second one first. Okay. Doesn't matter. Patrol at Wanichang. Wanichang. And I played the Japanese, and you played the British. And this was this was potentially fun, but it kind of went badly <laughs> for me. <clears throat> yeah. Is that the one with the mules? Yes. Really not a difficult scenario. All that was, was involved were a, a few key points that the Japanese had to protect as they moved their 16 pack animals, or 16 pack animal Mule, uh, uh, mules uh, counters. Yeah. It's probably more than one pack animal per yeah. counter. There's like there's a half two. squad with each one, right? Yeah, there's and two on each one. they them. So all they need to do is move along the trail and exit off at the other end of the trail and keep the British from knocking them all off. And the victory, I like it because the victory conditions are simple. The Commonwealth wins at game end if they have more victory points than the Japanese. Otherwise, the Japanese win. And there, But there were a variety of ways to get points, right? There were some different ways to get points. Yeah, you could control. So I had some buildings and you, would, you came in from off board. British yes. came in from off board. I had a couple of buildings to protect, as as well as uh, an exit hex that I kind of needed to protect in yeah. order to get things off the board. A couple of them. And then you had, uh, there were a couple of buildings that you could have picked up to get victory points. But basically... And you got points if you exited the mules. Right. Right? And it seemed simple. It seemed I simple thought enough. you'd get s- several of those things off. Those mules fell like, like wheat... <laughs> To the scythe. It's just easy to shoot them up with guns. It really, it really was. And uh, what was the thing where the the mules would? They had to stay in platoon movement. Yeah, um, yeah, um, not platoon. It's called column. Column movement. Yeah, yeah. 
Not a convoy, yeah, column. Uh, unless, I can't remember, you'd roll something and they, they would, the column would break up very easily. Yeah. So they, they broke up pretty easily, which off. was fine because then they weren't such an easy target, but. But they, yeah, but it, it, and maybe Jim Burris can email us and let us know if we did something wrong there, but it, we, again, we both kind of thought, oh, surely they'll get some of those mules off because that would be fun. Yeah. And instead, I just shot up the right-hand side. You moved very quickly because it was light jungle. and Light and jungle, you, two you made it, so. You made it through all that light jungle much faster than I and you was thought. thinking you would. So I got to cut off one of those exit points for points right. and start laying fire. But the mules can be shot easily from that open ground right in front, Yeah, too, Yeah, right when they enter. And there's nowhere for them to go not, right no, off the bat. Really, so right. the, And they... Plus more come on. I don't know. There were some. Yeah, every turn like four enter. Yeah, in a, along a little chain. Yeah, and you would just stand there, and as they came on, just shoot them all. I thought it was cruel. <laughs> really did. It's like when we played the chariot race game. Yeah. Circus Maximus. Yeah. With Bridget. <laughs> yeah. Oh, with Bridget, really? Yeah. For the D and D group, we did that yeah. one night instead, and Rick and I play it, and you know, as a real smash them up. We like to take some heavy chariots and do some damage to yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And she got kind of really upset that we kept trying to ram into her horses and whip lash at her in the car. She's like, and then she was getting pretty ticked. That's kind of ruining it. I said, "Aren't you having fun?" She's like, "No, this is supposed to be a race." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bloody race. It's like rollerball. It's, it's really like rollerball. not so much a race as it is. Uh, <laughs> So you didn't have any fun, yeah. I had fun with this. You know, I would I would definitely play this again, but I would like to know if there's something we're missing because it did yeah. seem really easy for the British to overwhelm. Yeah, like like I just want to know if people get mules off and how they do it. Yeah. What do we what do we, do we miss something? Or not? And be careful how you say that. Something. No, get mules off. And <laughs> I played another one here with Tim Klepachik. Uh, I played the Germans in J155. It's hardly fair. So that's from the journal. Is that right? We were playing... No, uh, no. How did I pick this one? Yeah, how did you... It must be in order of something. Well, <laughs> Come on. I think I probably went to where I kind of left off in the J's. Haven't played them in a long time. Uh, I needed a small one for a passel night. Palatine Area Advanced Squad Leaders. And here's a five-and-a-half turner. Seven American paratroopers holding off from the 82nd Airborne with their AT gun and a couple machine guns bazookas. A roadblock. And a lot of Germans. But, you know, Tim set up a defense. So it's one board the narrow side. Skinny way? How do you describe that? Long? Yeah. Long ways? Going from... It's just skinny. So... It looked difficult. He goes, yeah, I don't know if the Germans can do this. And then I started looking at it and I went, well, yeah, I got to go almost the length of a board and six turns, capture all the build, all the stone buildings. There's like some way in the back. But uh, he had an option to freely deploy and did not do that. I think he probably should have. I would have been able to cut off, you know, with little two neg two shots um, more of the Germans as they – outflanked him so really i blew around the left flank and got into those back buildings it took all my wherewithal to get that done like you can't waste a turn yeah prep firing yeah once you bust something you got to run every turn and send some squads out in front to get shot down in the open and then have the rest zip around the back um the americans cannot amass 25 combat victory points so you got to be careful but able to surround them, and then you're capturing a lot of Americans for failure to rout because there's only seven squads spread out across that sector. So it's called It's Hardly Fair, J-155. I'd highly recommend it again. Germans got some vehicles too, in addition, and they have a big mix of troops, conscripts all the way up to some elites, captured French tanks. What did my vehicles do? I think... Yeah, they were not as good getting around the flank. I think once my infantry did on the left, I didn't need to, but I used them to fire into the American positions, yeah. So my troops could move around. And there you go. 
There we go. And you have one more. Trouble at Milepost 27. Did we play this Mm -hmm. before this one? Yeah. Did you note here that I won? I noted... um... (laughs) What does your notation mean? I'm afraid the circled letter is the side I played is the J is the Japanese. Ah, okay. And the circle means I won. Yes. So if I didn't circle it, it would mean I played the Japanese and lost against my opponent's name at the bottom. I got it. (laughs) Very clever. What was the problem in this one? This one, I was having problems remembering. Oh, no, no. This is the Commonwealth win if they have three more victory points. Awarded. Reinforcement groups. Controlling the buildings. It went quickly, I remember. But I yep, don't remember that one as much either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's three of these patrol at at the. Yeah, and we just started playing it's called the, the third one, the roadblock at Mithilmofok. Yeah, and we're now playing the third one, and these are on the historical map. And yeah. there's a campaign game where if you win one, you get something for the second, and so on. We're not doing that, right? It's right. We're just doing playing them individually. The third so. one's going well, other than we had that kind of an unusual situation where in the first turn you broke two. Oh, yeah. I, I tweeted it out. You we, did. We had broke my gun. I broke my mortar in my yeah. secret trap area, leaving some Japanese two. But you're not taking advantage of that. Not yet. I, you skulked back. I yeah. don't know if you had time to do that. When We talked about that at the end of the night. But then, and um, so I thought, you, oh, poor Dave, but you were taking it well. And in fact, we were talking about you re-rolling after you broke the mortar on the first shot. Oh, yeah, yeah, the spooky method. Yeah, like maybe you, you should have a do-over on that. But then when it came to be my turn, yeah, I broke two guns in a row. Yeah, I think on the same tank, the machine gun and yeah. the main yeah. armament. Yep. And then so I've never seen you jump out of your chair night. like that. Oh, that's because I called it, remember? Yeah. I no, actually, not only did I not call calling it, a lot of people probably end up calling it, right? Yeah, gonna break the gun, bah! Yeah. But I placed the gun. Dis- you had broken the coax. Yeah, and I went, oh, I'll just go ahead and place the broken gun on it, Jeff, because I know you're going to. And then you did. And I did. And that I did jump out of my chair yeah. and I ran to the wall. And ran, yes, you were and very. Ran back. I was like, oh my gosh! I actually laid the counter on there. Gun disabled, and then yeah. boom, there it was. Yeah. Like, unbelievable. We had five on that one. Yeah. So, but that's got the roadblocks placed around a road. There's open ground. We're going to keep playing that. It'll. It's a bigger one. Yeah. Big. Right. Thirty counters aside. Forty. Yeah. Probably forty. So that's what we've been playing lately. Had to pause there for a moment to get a beverage. What are you drinking? A Murphy's imported stout, courtesy Ooh. of Mr. Lemke. Thank mm-hmm. you, Mike. And Jeffrey. Tito's <clears throat> vodka. On the rocks. Simple. <clears throat> Tito's. Yeah. Communist partisans. I Greek. no, I don't think so. You know, it's made in Texas by Texans. <laughs> it's from Austin. I've got a great slogan. I'm going to write them and say, here's a slogan for you, and they'll send me a lot of money. Because that's what I'm all about, is trying to make money. <laughs> here's the slogan. Show me your Tito's. What do you think? <laughs> is it good? Actually, that might work in yeah. this day and age. <laughs> I think it would. Would not be surprised. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, this is a show you've all been waiting for. Long promised by Mr. Hallett. Many years ago. We did. We have been talking about it for a while. I don't know why it's taken us so long. Because it would take planning for us to get it done. Yeah, we don't want to do that. And it's easier just to wing it. There is no planning almost ever in our show. But we should probably start. Starting next year. Let's start planning. So what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about desert do we have any desert music it's time for desert rules i'll play that you know that weird west uh, of alamein you ever notice in uh, tv shows whenever there is a mention of an arab or when the Arab guy, even if he's a terrorist or something, he walks is <laughs> Not on the screen. It, this happens a lot on TV shows. No. As soon as the Arab guy shows up, it's like. 
They play the they play the music, and the desert wind blows. Yeah, and he's wearing a turban. And it, yeah, well, even if it's no, in he's New York those City, long flowing robes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's really remarkable to watch. They don't do it for terrorists, though. No, they do it. I'm talking about you know like NCIS or any of these police shows or <laughs> whenever they're talking about okay we we're gonna have to send them over and. Uh, we're going to have to go over and find these the guys in Arabia. They start with the Arab music. I'm telling you. Have you noticed it? You haven't noticed it. No. Am I explaining it? We No, don't yeah, watch okay. those shows. Okay. Oh, you don't watch shows like that? NCAA Not much. Spy shows and stuff like that? No. Hmm. No, no time. I was busy researching desert rules. I see. That probably would have benefited both of us rather than just you. That's correct. And so the desert rules mm-hmm. are sometimes known as Chapter F. Chapter F. And if you don't have Chapter F, you could look for it between E and G. should be in there. Or on E-Bay. Or, or on E-Bay. Because you can't get them now. No. This, this chapter <clears throat> comes with the West of Alamein module. I don't think that I think that's the only place it comes. Correct. They should be reissuing the rules and the uh, and the Italians in a set. Oh, really? Yes. That's coming up. Yes, and it might include Sons of the Negos, Negos, Negus. I which don't know was what that was. What Timonen cut his teeth on in ASL. It was a was that a critical hit product about the um, Italian invasion of Ethiopia. Oh, really? You had Eritrean troops with the Italians, usually, and then the Ethiopians, including spear-armed counters. Wow. Yeah, had a range of maybe one. Yeah, 40 yards. Or 82. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if you can throw 80 yards. Oh, yeah, you can. Probably oh, one. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, I could look it up, but yeah. I have them at all at home. Jim McMahon could. And Dave... Tim and I played all of them. He's the only quarterback I know. Yeah, because I haven't really? watched. I haven't watched football since 1985. Yeah, we gotta f- gotta update me. Quit watching Arab people and listening <laughs> to strange music while they're coming on your television set. We've got to find it's a- Il Abin Von Booby. It's a Jim McMahon back for the pass, and he hurt his back. So yeah, so that's where, where was I? Oh yeah, the um, sons of the Neg- Negus, Neg- Negus, huh? Negus. Anyway, it's yeah, that's cool that's stuff. That's how you taught Dave Timmon in ASL. Yes, we played a lot of desert open boards. Um, they could tank tip, tank tipping. Get out! They, they had, had tank tipping. The Ethiopians could run out, and you are kidding me. I am not kidding. Actually, I'm you know, not you've, you've me. led me on I have a number of times before. before. I'm still reeling from the lightning rules. <laughs> yeah, but you—that was not me leading you on. That was the journal. Um, yeah, tank tipping. I'll show it to you when you come over next. All time. right. I got the counters in the box, all still. So labeled. they'd run up to the Italian tanks and tip them they, over. Yes, because they had not a lot of defenses yeah. against them. You yeah. Know? And hockey Salise Salase. I think you I say, forget his say, name. Say, I say, he was the leader of Ethiopia. He went before the UN and asked for help, and they were pretty much helpless when Italy invaded Ethiopia. Oh, really? And Rastafarians considered Haile Selassie the like Christ, like a Messiah, like like I think a second coming of Christ or something. Rastafarians. Wow. It's amazing how we know just a little itty-bitty bit about a number of different topics. <laughs> just enough to make us really dangerous. And I, I wouldn't go so far as to say we're buffoons, because I, w- I would not say that to you, because you're my dear friend. But I certainly am on these topics. Because you've never heard of Haile Selassie? Yeah, I haven't heard any of that. So I, I guess I'm, I'm going to have to do a little research. I did, I did a little lookup. Well, Jeff, I, te- I teach it when I teach World War II. Yeah, and, and I, so I don't remember chapter, hearing about it. First section of the World War II chapter. And what were the Italians after uh, by invading oh, Ethiopia? Golly, I don't know. A greater Italian there, empire, that's yeah. for sure. They were upset about the Treaty of Versailles, so they flipped and went with the Axis instead of the Allies. And But isn't um, Ethiopia, Ethiopia south of Egypt? I'm going to have to look it up on the map now. I, it's actually, not near the I Netherlands. Don't, I don't know. 
it's <laughs> don't, don't get us started on that. Ethiopia, here I'm just looking it up. Thank you, uh, Google Maps. Yeah, I mean, it's south of Egypt, south of Sudan. So I wonder how they got there. They went down it through Libya down and Chad. Yeah, I mean, I don't, they didn't get there well, through the Suez Canal because the British never <clears throat> relinquished control of the canal during the war. That's why they were hanging on Egypt so tight. One of the reasons. Yeah, they also took um, Albania, I think. Well, that's... Uh, they probably could say just drove motorcycles. They, maybe they dressed drove. up as Bedouin like tribesmen and rode camels across to sneak their way in. That's, yeah. But where would they hide their armored vehicles? In the backpacks of the camels. Oh, dress them up like camels. Yeah. Paint them to look like camels. Right. Just and say, they made their way. Hello, we're just passing through. Yeah. Yeah, but tank tipping, yeah. They come flying out of a ravine, flip that thing over. Yeah, that's... You know, my friends moved my Volkswagen. I'm sure we talked about this years ago. In college, I woke up, my Volkswagen was gone. You're, what did you have, a Beetle, you mean? Yeah, Beetle. And uh, the guys literally picked it up and moved it around the corner. Wow. it's pretty funny. I wonder how many guys. Yeah. How many guys I think it was take? only like six. Wow. They're, yeah. So you could tip a tank. You know, uh, armored, Those were little armored cars, a lot of them. Yeah. You know, they weren't even big tanks at all. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, there was a, uh, a newspaper or a, a print ad from Volkswagen. Because one of the things they used to say you could do with the Beetle is oh, that yeah, it would it said, float in water. Oh, I thought it was the one that said, we're sorry, we, we cheated on the emissions testing. No, 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 that, that was more recent. <laughs> this was back in the 60s. And they had run it for a couple of years that the Volkswagen Beetle would float in water. They <laughs> so, at, at some point, people, they ran an wait, ad. did people die because of this? No, I don't think so. <laughs> It was also, they also uh, advertised it because you could get it for $995. That was a popular ad. But they ran an ad that kind of, they kind of crossed the line. This was after the Chappaquiddick thing with <laughs> Ted Kennedy. Yeah. And the ad was, if Ted Kennedy had been driving a Volkswagen, <laughs> he not. would be president. No, did they really? Yeah, they did. Now, yeah. I, now <laughs> That's is it possible I'm... Dreaming? I, I don't yeah. know. Let's research that later. Is it possible it's the Tito's talking? <laughs> <laughs> no, I swear. I got to look that up. I mean, okay, it, we got a lot to do. The more we talk, the more the. Well, at least it's talk. all related to okay. desert yeah. stuff, except for the Volkswagen. The Chappaquiddick. Um, Probably <laughs> Yeah, you start well off, man. You got the, the first section. The little. First, we're looking at the whole first section is a bunch of little point. You know, they always like to start off a chapter with not a real number. Yes. And oh, with stuff points, that you really don't point zero one or something. really don't want to read about, but you have to. Yeah. So point one, wow, chapter F point one desert boards. The desert boards are twenty five to thirty one. Cool. There you go. I They've never them. issued another desert. You got board. them. You got my yeah, old I've, ones, I've got didn't them. you? Um, didn't you buy my old ones? Or someone sent you the rules, and then didn't somebody have somebody the sent us west of you have my old cruddy counters, don't you though? No, somebody sent us in a big box full of stuff. No, that's specifically for you. I remember that. Because I had it, and you were complaining on the air. I don't have what's about me. Dave charges too much on eBay and all that stuff. <laughs> I don't believe that I talked like that. <laughs> uh, then it goes on to talk about emplaced guns, which really just says oh. that the emplaced guns are handled a little bit differently in the desert. And this is mostly because a lot of the desert rocky terrain is very rocky underneath. There's uh, like limestone. Oh. Under, oh, fairly close <clears throat> under the surface, yeah, you, can't you can't be really digging very dig well. It's very difficult to dig, and so emplaced guns or the sand just keeps refilling my hole when I try that. Right. Well, and that's what it says. It says you can do emplaced guns um, if it's set if it's setting up in a hidden or concealed in concealment terrain, which we'll get to in a little bit, or it's in a sand in sand or in a trench. Other than that, it's not emplaced. Okay. Simple enough. So you don't get the plus two. Protection Correct. of emplaced. Your gun shields become more valuable, I guess. Yeah. Entrenching, and this kind of follows up on that, all entrenching attempts on desert boards receive a plus two, plus two. modifier, okay. which makes sense. It's harder to dig. A squad, which would normally have to roll like a five for entrenching, would have to roll a three or less. And a half squad, which normally does say, uh, would have to roll a two or less. Yeah, snakes. Except for Russians. But I don't think there's any Russians in any desert. Because Russians have, they get an extra, they get a plus one. There are some. For entrenching. 
there's they're good some I scenarios good for entrenching. isn't it red star yellow people no that's racist no red star <laughs> yellow star who had the japanese have a yellow star on there no they had a little i painted enough of these miniatures i should know this point being anyway japanese russians desert boards oh really set out in mongolia or something ah. i don't know oh, okay something like that a couple like that okay well the russians get a get a minus one on there, so it's a little bit easier if you're Russians and you want to entrench in the desert. Routing, a little bit different in in that in the desert you are not Did required. They have routing equipment like routers. Yeah, they had routers, roto routing, <laughs> roto routing. Yeah, come out and fix your uh, cesspool. Mm-hmm. You are not required to route to the nearest woods or building. Because there are none. There are none. You're out in the desert. There are none. So, and if there are none, then you don't have to. So you can route, as long as you don't route toward a known enemy unit yeah, or break, the rest break, of the break stuff. any of the other rules of routing. And as far as being eliminated for failure to route, that can only happen if your enemy is within six hexes. So if he's seven oh. hexes away and, you're, and you, wanna, you don't want to route... is it normally adjacent? For failure to route? Yeah. Um, oh, yes, it's normally adjacent, right. This they... So now it's like so it's wide open. You better sexes. get moving right. away from them yeah. if they're coming at you. Yeah. yeah. Desert uh, victory points. You get a little bit because uh, guns and vehicles are so oh, much more, more valuable. valuable in the desert. Hard to get them out there and all. They get a little bit better victory point. So you take an extra. You take ten percent fractions rounded up of the BPV, which is printed on the desert oh, scenario. Yeah. So on the desert scenarios, there's a little red number yeah, in the upper right. <clears throat> corner of your AFV and gun counters that shows the BVP of that. So they save you doing the math. Yeah, I'd forgotten that. Other than if there's, of course, you have to add on if there's a crew or something in there. You get more right. BVP for that. This part I like to access vehicles uh, before September, from September and before. September and before of 1941. Use the red, red uh, oh, movement to numbers. Hit. To hit? Oh. No, the movement numbers. Movement points. Okay. They're like, red. Oh, so you have to like roll, starting you have to roll for startup. That's all because of the desert sand and the engines yeah. and stuff, right? Yep. The Germans didn't know how to do that until after October and after of 1940. Yeah, that makes sense. That's good. Then they put pantyhose over the intake Ventilator. or something. No, actually, did they? Probably. <laughs> French pantyhose. Well, uh, well, they didn't call them pantyhose then. You know, when Laura and stockings. I had visited Tunisia on our on our trip, and that sandstorm had struck. Yeah. You know, thank God she had her pantyhose. We right. put it right over our heads. Yeah. The problem was we went into a made it barely made it surviving to a lo- local grocery store. Yeah. yeah. Out there, and the guy like started handing us free stuff. I think he thought we were sticking them up, and we didn't know the difference, so yeah. we took all the free stuff. We almost got arrested. It was like, oh, could have gotten one so thing after luckily, the other. Yeah. Fortunately, those penny hoses were lightweight, and you could wear them even in jail. Yes. You're wearing them now. <laughs> I, I admire that. Minefields. There's other minefield rules other than the desert minefields. The normal ones. Yeah. In section terrain. Remember, is remember. it a terrain? Or is it A? It's either A or B. Yeah, I think it's... Or is it guns? Do you shoot minefields no. out of your gun? <laughs> I, that's something I would try, but... It probably would not work for you. Yeah, well. but now you have known minefields. Is that that part? Yeah, it's known minefields, which was common in those days because the desert war was a very mobile war. There was a lot of moving back and forth. Yes. Taking and retaking different areas and large, large expanses of territory that would change hands back and forth. And so it became impractical to hide minefields because you'd end up Go, driving over your own minefields. Your own ones, yeah. So. Blowing yourself up. And so it was common practice to mark minefields. So at least you'd know they were there. They were still buried, yes. so to speak, even though it was rocky ground. Right. It's not like they would tie a balloon to each one or anything like that. <laughs> they would just mark, they just put a sign up, this is a minefield. Yeah. Ach, yeah. Minin. Yeah. Which actually, when I was playing Jim McDermott back in the day, <laughs> yeah, I was moving through a hex. He goes, stop. And he hands me a sheet of paper. And it says... Achtung, meinen on it. <laughs> like, all right, roll your die. Yeah. So then, this idea of known minefields, it, it, it's it's kind of easy. You you use 
you put out the known minefield counters, and they don't show what the mine factor is. Right. But it just shows that you've got them there. And there's uh, three different kinds. There's the known, and then there's an arrowed known. So if you're going, if you're setting up a minefield along hex spines, you can have have the, you know the right arrow on one oh, end yeah. and the left arrow on it's another. Somewhere that shows between that there. It's between doesn't mean there. every hex has them in there. Right. It's just could be. So you've got to write down which ones you know it actually yeah. has actually have the mines. <clears throat> and then there's uh, dummy mine counters. Yeah. What is that? Oh, dummy known mine fields? Like they would put up fake signs to yes. confuse the enemy? Right. Okay. So, and and with a dummy, I, did, I didn't realize this, because I knew about the dummies before, because I played a few of the desert scenarios. But for every 24 known mine factors that you get in a scenario... You automatically get one dummy. Oh, okay. And I, I, they never put that in the scenario rules. You're just supposed to know that. You're supposed yeah. to remember that. And whenever you get one or more dummies in an OB, you can make a die roll, a single die, fractions rounded down, to get more dummies. So then you can put up these dummy mines. Oh, okay. Kind of fun. Indeed. That's the end Let's see. Did I miss anything? Oh, just the desert terrain chart, which I don't know. Do we, are we going to handle terrain? You're going to be handling some of the terrain separately. We're going to get into the terrain uh, either tonight or on the next show. Yeah, there's a very good uh, depiction of a desert terrain chart. And if you're using a desert board up next to one of the regular green boards, it tells you how to handle those oh. instances. I'm not going to go into it because it gets a little detailed, but um, it's... a it's a very good example. It actually reads pretty well. Okay. Because it looks funny. You've got half a desert and then half a orchard or, uh, yeah, or a growing wood, right yeah, next to it. Woods. So tells you how to handle those. I don't know that I've ever played a game. Yeah, maybe. Where the two kind of boards butt up. So that takes me through my section that gets on to F8. Well, F8, I picked up there. F8 got into the... F, F.8. Point eight. Sorry, yeah, we're not yes. even to rule one yet. Yes. Um, the Free French now and these special counters that they have with the F in them. And I think this was the first time these kind of things appeared in Advanced Squad Leader. Different nationalities, weapons in the other guy's color. It's fairly common now, especially in that Russian Revolution pack from La Frontier. They they did a whole bunch of counters, like even commissars in other colors. Oh, right. So there's Italian commissars because they represent like the Bolsheviks or the Reds or whatever. Um, but, so this was the Free French. Now, I, I don't remember what's the big deal about the Free French and the desert, but they would be British counters. Um, the except, exception is the Free French would have assault fire in or after 1243, December of 1943. Hmm. And they are not immune to cowering as the British are. So when you're playing, I guess the British were training the Free French forces and, um, right, helping them out. Oh, okay. Then prior to 12 December 1943, there are British counters with the F in parentheses on it. So that's saying it's a French weapon in a British color to use with the Free French or anyone else that managed to get a hold of a French weapon and so on. Is that Makes sense, right? I guess, yeah. It's, yeah. It seems it's, like, needlessly complicated. Um, but, no, uh, it's really quite simple because I'm really used to looking for the little F or the little R yeah. in the Russian game because they issued the Russian machine guns in the different nationality colors. So when you're playing the Russian Revolution in Lafranc Terror, oh, okay. And I capture your machine gun with my Bolshevik partisans against your, you know, white Russians. We can change out the machine gun. It's still got the same stats on it, but it now matches the color of my guys. Ah, just really, I love I them see. and it'd be all that okay. color. So you would rarely have actual British troops carrying the French light machine gun. They would have the standard two eight. Yeah, say the French is two seven. So it's just got different stats on it with the F representing French. Okay. Now post December nineteen forty three, there are U.S. colors with the F on them ah. because uh, apparently the United States started training also the free French and stuff and, and supplying them. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if other nationalities 
this is actually, of course, F point eight C. There's an A, B, C, D, blah, blah, blah. Counters, they suffer with captured, captured use penalties. They're not trained to use the French weapon, so. Okay. And then I just kind of took uh, F, D, F8.8D, D, uh, do your own use of free French charts. Um, you can't put a Vichy and a free French on the same side. You know, the ones under Hitler still and the yeah. free French. Okay. can't be used on the same side. All right. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Right. Okay. Now, F.9, do you have that with you? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I made some notes, and then I gave up and said read it. So <laughs> uh, the U.S. A in parentheses counters are listed. The Baz 44A with it is for free French, guys. Others use a U.S. colored one when scrounged. I guess it is getting complicated. So would you mind reading F.9? You want me to read it from the start? Yeah, is it really okay. long? Or is no, it, well, no, it's not. U.S.-built British-color support weapons. Uh, U.S. Mach- um, U.S. medium machine guns, heavy machine guns, 50 caliber heavy machine guns, M2, 60-millimeter mortars, and Baz-44 are provided in the British color in west of Alamein. Okay. They are identified by having A, in quotes... And uh, parentheses in their piece name and are used by Free French as per F8B, F.8B. The Baz 44A is also used to represent a Baz 44 scrounged from a U.S. built vehicle wreck, which includes one with A in its piece name by Free French only. <laughs> is this a joke? Is this why you're having me read that, this? Because it's a joke. No. <laughs> Other nationalities would scrounge a U.S. color Baz 44. Oh, okay. Because, is that done? Uh, no, there's more. Keep going. The, the appropriate machine gun A is also used to represent one removed from a U.S. built vehicle by a British, as defined in a 25.4 unit. A machine gun scrounged by any nationality from a U.S. built or British built vehicle wreck takes counterform as a standard British light machine gun with no captured penalties when being used by a U.S. or British unit. Captured penalties do not apply to the use of U.S. color machine guns by British units, nor to U.S. slash British use of British color A-type support weapons Uh, of U.S. MTR <coughs> Baz SCAP. Oh, no. Then, the, then then there's an exclusion there. Excluding non-free French British treat all while free French treat no. This is impossible. That's complicated. It seems very complicated. Um, I, I, I bet somebody could write that out in a paragraph and probably... I don't remember ever doing it yeah, much. I Maybe I skipped it and just... if you But I, I, the easy part is... If you're a British guy, you scrounge the bazooka. Go ahead and grab the British-colored one. You know, because yeah. they made some in the British colors, American weapons. That makes sense. Otherwise, it gets a little tricky with it the does, free French yeah. versus the these guys versus that guy. But it's just trying to say who's trained to use what. I And, and I don't know that I've ever played this, and I played three or four uh, desert scenarios with Rich Spilkey, who, w- who would have that. had all of this <laughs> Yeah, piece together. Maybe, but, and how uh, often do you scrounge weapons from the vehicles anyway? Yeah, well, that's true. That's so, it's not that often. It's not something but, I do. So I guess often. if you're going to scrounge, the rule is you better stop and look up that Looking rule up. Yeah. and figure out if you got captured use penalties on right. that thing. Yeah, okay. That would make sense. That's a good way to put it. So, thank you. F-10, vehicle smoke grenades. Now, this rule is... Um, was very popular. It is now incorporated into the basic rules, right? Mm-hmm. It's the vehicle smoke grenades. They were carried in inherent crews of vehicles with a main armament. May place smoke grenades as if it's a smoke dispenser. So this means they're going to, what, open the hatches, toss out hand grenades that provide smoke cover. Yeah, they got a BCE to do it. Yeah. This didn't exist until West of Alamein. And again, now it's in second edition rules. Uh, the ones that can't, yeah, is your closed top, as Jeff said. And you, what you roll, you roll one for armed but unarmored vehicles or a buttoned-up, open-topped vehicle because, imagine it this way, right? You're in a personnel carrier. That's an open-topped armor-fighting vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. But you're buttoned up, so you're just 
not looking out. You're just tossing it over the side. So yeah. you'd be rolling a one to have them. Or you'd roll a two or a one if you're a crew-exposed armor-fighting vehicle. And normally when you play smoke grenade, you roll a six. It ends your movement. Yeah. Normally on right. foot. Yeah. Doesn't apply here. Oh, okay. Odds of getting them are about the same as, as infantry, right? If you're successful, you can put a half-inch smoke counter in the vehicle's location, as per 24.11, if placed in an opponent's movement phase. So you can do this as a reaction thing. Your opponent is moving. They're moving their tank up to shoot your tank. You can try and launch, toss out some covering smoke. You would remove that at the end of that phase. I never thought of that. You can do it during yeah. your opponent's movement phase. You can also use a smoke dispenser in your opponent's movement phase as a reaction. This is what Bob did when I pulled up a big tank next to his little cruddy tank. I'm like, this is dead. I got the points right so here. So it's used like defensive fire? Yeah, or you he, mean it's, he it, did a, they don't need to be adjacent you know you can, or anything like that? No. You know how you can roll to um, start up yeah. and be in motion? Right. During the, When the enemy tanks come into your line of sight? Mm-hmm. It goes along with that. So he rolled start up, he's now in motion, and he rolled to do a dispenser and got it. And so now I've got a plus five against him ah, or whatever Yeah. instead of a you know, sitting still target. Yeah, those guys know how to do those things, right? Grenades can't be removed, scrounged, oh, or used for other purposes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And can't do both grenades and a smoke dispenser because... Are treated as like the same thing. Can't do them both. You pick it and go for it. But if you don't get one, can you do the other? No. I'm wondering. Okay. Well, I don't know. My note isn't that clear. Yeah. Okay. Um. There are now rule F.11. There are reverse move counters. These are probably now available in Beyond Valor, but this is the first time they came out. And that supersedes a bunch of rules like D2.24 in the first edition rulebook. In F12, point 12, chapter F assumes that you have the 87 errata. I don't know what was on that. And it uses color bars in your, when you're looking through your chapter F. It's got the color bars on the left-hand side. I was just going to ask you about those color bars. What part of the rules those apply to. So if it's green, it's the... Chapter A? Um, B, terrain. Oh, B, yeah. A is the, a is the salmon yeah, color. Yeah, right. Right, so it just kind of tells you, do your own is a yellow, and that's very commonly done now in all the rules like the Pacific and so on. Then wadis, now I'm into my big terrain. Do you have... Um, well, maybe we should what, do what, terrain next show. I think so. What yeah. time are we at looking at here? We're at an hour. Yeah, let's just wrap that up. Yeah. And that's the introduction to the desert rules. I'll read all that before you start. Those could apply to lots of different scenarios. And we'll jump into terrain next time. Sounds good, Sounds sweetheart. Good. <laughs> Whenever I think of desert, I think of uh, Casablanca. When I think of desert in World War II, I think of Casablanca. I don't. I think of Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, yeah. That was World War One. but... Oh, you're right. Or, no. No, it was even before World War One, wasn't it? No. Or was it after World War One? Before World War Two. No prisoners! That's all. I, that's mine. It's World War One. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because T.E. Lawrence was sort of involved in the setup of the modern Middle East as a result of his exploits. Wasn't T.E. Lawrence the poet? Uh, That's D.H. Lawrence. Oh, no, that's D.H. Lawrence. No, it's T.S. Eliot. I'm thinking of T.S. Eliot. I'm thinking of D.H. Lawrence. Well, anyway, I'm going to call that a show. We'll call it a show before we get into more trouble and reveal more of our ignorance. To be dangerous, yes. don't we? We are dangerous. I'm Dangerous Jeff. I'm Dangerous Dave. And we thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. But in the meantime, remember to roll low. And do rally well, won't you? But not when, not you're, when playing you're playing us, us sweetheart. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Oh no, the the little mousey guy. Oh Rick. Oh, that's Peter Lorre. Oh Peter Lorre, yes. Rick, yes, of course. Rick, you've got to help me, Rick. They're after me, Rick. And then uh, 
they have the old the old ladies killed more than you. They're buried in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> you saw that one, right? Yeah. That's a great one.